0: Hello, Hello. And welcome, welcome
1: to, to If It's Week Play, Play, the podcast where we're in Canada on vacation, specifically British Columbia, specifically uh, maybe about two hours north of Vancouver on the Sunshine Coast.
0: Uh-huh. We are, if you follow us on Instagram, which you should do, at GayGamers with a Z, um, you will see, I posted a little, st- in our story, and I'll post a photo um, that's like, always up there of where we're recording today. I'm going to take a picture right now. Uh, we are in the woods. In Cliff, Glifford, Cliff Gifford.
1: Cliff Gifford. Gifford Park. Um, just a little bit up the street from where my uncle and aunt live, who I like to visit every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been taking Hannah with me the past two years now. Um, this is, yeah, this is the second year. This is the second year because... Oh yeah, I'm Kai. My pronouns are they/them theirs.
0: I'm Hannah. My pronouns are she/her hers.
1: Because I uh, I love Hannah very much and I love spending time with her. Oh, thanks, bud. You're welcome. Um <laughs> I guess I just uh I want to talk a little bit about Canada, uh specifically British Columbia. It's it's my favorite climate and temperature. Uh it's a temperate rainforest and it's where I feel like my heart and soul belongs. I love the beach. I'm a real beach boy. I love the, uh, the forests. I love the rivers. I'm, I'm just having a wonderful time, and I desperately want to move here, but it's not something that's in the cards right now. However, eventually. Um,
0: yes. I'm looking up something real quick because I'm uh, trying to figure out, I just hate the name British Columbia so much. I mean, obviously, it's the most colonial name that any place has ever had. Um, I'm trying to see what
1: uh, what the First Nation called it.
0: Yeah. Or like what Indigenous, like what First Nations people. Anyway, um, yeah. In
1: Canada, uh, they call Native Americans the Indigenous people, First Nation. I know this. Not I'm not telling you. Not everybody knows oh, that. Oh yeah.
0: Um, First Nations, yeah, blah, 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 um, Indigenous Territories, I think mostly.
1: So anyway, there's a lot of, uh, really nice fresh water around here. Unfortunately, they're in a little bit of a drought right now, um,
0: because of the amount
1: of construction and people moving in and building. Mm
0: hmm We're, uh, yeah, the place where we are on the Sunshine Coast is... Like, it's across the bay from Vancouver, mm-hmm. and it's up, we're staying up, like right now we're sitting in a temperate rainforest, but then, because we're out in the middle of a hike, but then you walk down the road from where Kai's aunt and uncle live, with whom we're staying, and uh, it's the beach.
1: It's just instantly the beach, maybe like five, eight minutes away, depending on how fast you walk. Mm-hmm. And there's a really wonderful little cafe and farmer's market all the time.
0: Oh the there's a cool there's an Indigenous Tourism B C podcast.
1: Oh that's tight. You should listen to that folks.
0: Yeah, uh yeah, listen to the Indigenous Tourism B C podcast. Uh, but yeah, there's the uh, town we're in is called Roberts Creek. It's got one cafe. It's called the Gumboot Cafe.
1: And it's wonderful. It and is I love wonderful. it so much, and they'll Their make coffee. a special vegan food. They
0: won't make a special vegan food. Their coffee is terrible.
1: They, it's not that bad. It's um, pretty bad. It's not that bad. It's pretty bad. If you're not a coffee snob like Hannah, you think it's pretty I'm good. I'm not
0: even a coffee um, snob. I just think the coffee. Every bad.
1: Thursday they have. Uh, I'm sorry. Is it? It's every like Wednesday. No.
0: Do they have creative in the creek?
1: Creative in the Creek, it's on Thursdays, because we got here on a Thursday, and it's not every Thursday. I think it's, like, every second Thursday.
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah, there's this event called Creative in the Creek out here where just a bunch of uh, local folks or people come in and um, do something creative. It can be either, like, music or stand-up or read a poem or, like, read something that they've written. And it just, uh, my uncle helps organize it, and it's just really incredible, and I love it very much. I just think it's a very supportive community. Anyway, enough about where we are.
0: Well, I was gonna say, if you hear uh, some rushing water in the background, it's because we're sitting by the titular Roberts Creek, the titty Roberts Creek. No. And uh, we went out, we decided to kill two birds with one stone and we went out for a hike. And in the middle of the hike, we are stopping to record. So yes. it's a fun, special outdoor episode. I'm sure it's going to be really fun when Aaron gets this audio file. Oh, I bet. <laughs> with a bunch of white noise in the background.
1: He'll love it so much.
0: Um, I think it sounds nice, but it also might it not sounds be nice be me. noticeable in the recording as I think it is right now. We'll see. Um, yeah, but we're in Canada. This is the first uh, international episode True. of uh, If It's Gay We Play um, in the great white north and, uh, that's that. Yep. Canada, it's pretty okay. has a lot of issues, but, um...
1: I love it here. People
0: are really nice. Oh, <laughs> can I tell my story about yesterday? Yes. So, yesterday we went to a marijuana dispensary in Roberts Creek, which was... So, in Colorado, uh, dispensaries have to be, like, really hardcore about security, and you have to, like, show, because... In- S-
1: several, like, ID twice.
0: Well, sometimes, yeah, we did legal have to in Colorado. you show your ID
1: twice. Um, you have to go through, like, a locked door. Yeah, but they, like, buzz uh, you in. Y-
0: yep, yep. I just want
1: to <laughs> participate, too.
0: I know. But, yeah, as Kai said, you have to show your ID uh, to a person out front. There's You have to go through, like, an airlock to go through like a uh, like a vestibule, yeah, and then they buzz you in past a locked door, and it's like going into and, a government building. And when
1: they sell it to you, they have to put it in a bag, like legally, yeah. it has to and be in a bag. And they have to
0: staple it shut, yeah. and all these things. Although I've been to a few dispensaries lately that haven't been doing that, and I don't know if they're just being laxed. I think they're or getting lax because that changed. is
1: still legally required.
0: I believe it. Um, and, well, I've heard different things from different places, is what I'm saying. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure if anybody, anyway, point being, it's a whole to-do in Colorado. And here, we walked into a, a room that was had an open door to the street. And uh, there was a bunch of, like, tinctures and so forth out. Um, in the front. In the front. And the nice older lady in there welcomed us. And then we asked if they sold any flour. And she was like, oh, yeah. And we, like, walked past a very, like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a little privacy screen, kind of.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, that she just sort of pulled aside. And then there was just sort of a china cabinet. Full of marijuana, and
1: I feel like the privacy screen was more for her own comfort as opposed to any. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think
0: she had to have it. I think it was just so people didn't stare at her while she was doing her work. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah.
1: She did an ideas.
0: Did an IDS. Uh, we bought some tincture and we bought a joint. The joint was five dollars.
1: It was five dollars.
0: It did taste like a five dollar joint. Yes. Um, and bought some CBD tincture. It was but all- it was lovely. It was great, and then she was like, "Oh, like, I just walked out with the joint in my hand. Like there was no bag." there Was nothing. Yep. Um, conversely, later that day, I went to the general store in town to look at beer and I was trying to buy a bottle of beer. Um, a, a one bottle of beer. Uh, I was buying a bomber of some Goza and uh, that I walked up to the counter and the guy goes, How old are you? and I was like 25, and he uh, like, said something about... Oh, he he
1: said the drinking age in Canada's 19.
0: I don't know if he said that or if he was saying the price of the thing, but I don't think he was. Um, Anyway, he said something about blah, 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 19. Maybe before? Anyway, he asked me how old I was, and then he asked to see my ID, and then he was like, oh, you're from Colorado. And I was like, yep, sure am. And he was, like, scrutinizing it really hard. My ID's kind of bent on one side because I sat on it during a flight (laughs) one time, and it got all bent. And uh, he was, like, scrutinizing it really hard, and, like, Trying to bend it a little bit and like looking at the back, like pretty clearly did not believe that this ID was real. Um, and he like looks at me. And he's like, "Do you have any other ID?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm 25." And he he like looks at me really like skeptically, and then like not. He's like, "Okay," and hands me it back. And then starts <laughs> up. He's like, "You have to be 21 in the states, right?" And I was like, "Yes, you do. Have to be 21." And then as he was ringing, <laughs> ringing me up, the other clerk at the store came over. To the counter and looks at me and looks at the clerk who's ringing me up and goes, "Did you check his ID?" And
1: Hannah is is gender fluid and yeah, but I am a woman
0: and I use she/her pronouns.
1: And, but like, shoot,
0: yeah, I identify as gender fluid woman and I use she/her pronouns. But yeah, uh, they very clearly thought that I was a young teenage boy. The worst part of this whole endeavor, I got the beer. Yeah. But the worst part of the the whole endeavor was that the drinking age in Canada is nineteen, so that they thought that I was younger than 19 years old is what that you do have a very
1: youthful face and uh, vibrancy about you
0: I know but I have like a lot of tattoos and
1: like plenty of 19 year olds have tattoos
0: yeah I just feel like I don't look 16 I guess you do look like a
1: salty old bitch Uh,
0: thank you Um, thank you that's what I was (laughs) looking for but with my hat and stuff I guess I look younger but it was still like also yesterday was butch appreciation day happy
1: butch appreciation day on a related note um, I wasn't like me. that mad
0: it was mostly very funny but I was also like come on man I don't know what to tell you like it's a real ID and I'm 25 years old please give me this beer
1: I, I like the world in which you had to go get your passport and like it was a whole thing it was a
0: whole to do yeah I know if I had to go get my passport it probably wouldn't have been worth the effort to go back but I would have done it just to prove a point yeah just to prove a point for sure
1: And then, like, showed them your credit card and been like, look, these are all in the same name.
0: Yeah, like, I do not not know what to tell you.
1: Like, I have nothing else for you. Yeah, Um, You're not going to find some form of alternative ID that's in my wallet that's, like, secretly I'm a 15-year-old Canadian Yeah, here's my
0: fucking Canadian learner's permit.
1: Oh, you got me. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, shoot. Anyway, this is enough. 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 Let's talk about video games.
0: (laughs) Well, we have to talk... We have to do our bookkeeping. Kai, um... What is the gayest thing you've done this week?
1: That is that is part of the bookkeeping, is the video games. Um, the gayest thing I've I done know, this week. I know, I know, but... Uh, it's a great question, Hannah. Um, oh, gosh. Probably... When we were going through customs in the Canadian... Oh my the god, that airport. was
0: amazing. I already forgot about this that. This incredible
1: thing happened. So uh, I've been needing to use a cane lately to get around. Luckily, being in the ocean and getting like treatments, my ANSA body worker has been helping. Um, but I... Uh, you are not disabled. I am disabled, yes. Not, not ashamed. In fact, I no. identify as a disabled activist. However, I am disabled. Um, and... I was using a cane to get through the airport and we were standing in this long-ass line because all the kiosks at the Vancouver... um,
0: Yeah, normally in Canadian, at least in in the Vancouver airport, the customs is, like, very very high-tech. It's, like, this really cool... All the kiosks broke kiosks and stuff, but yeah, I guess the kiosks weren't working yeah. so we had to fill out, like, claim customs claim forms. Which him, you do so, have to fill plan. out
1: normally, but normally the kiosk fills them out. So we did that. Um,
0: like it was, pay- we had to yeah. fill out But analog- we only had to fill out one because we live at the same time. Analog. Address. I know. Pen Listen, and millennial. Paper, Get out of here. Grandpa. Um,
1: so, so anyway, we were standing in this long ass line and, like, my back was hurting because my backpack was heavy and it was, like, leaning on my cane. And we were close to the front of the line and this, um, this, this officer of some sort
0: he was yeah he was just he was like a tsa the canadian equivalent yeah, like, of a tsa agent yeah
1: yeah like the yes um and he comes up to me and he was like excuse me sir ma, sir mister can, <laughs> can, uh, do you need that cane and i was like what i
0: heard him say was here's what i heard i heard sir, ma, sir um do you need a cane oh you have one <laughs> Like, he was so that. flustered. That's what I heard. And then he I was heard... like, uh, c- come right through here. And then, like, let and us, let me and
1: Hannah let through and through the cus- like, out,
0: out of the customs quicker. line to get to the front of the line.
1: I thought he was asking, do you need that cane? As if he- the next question out of his mouth was going to be, can I borrow it for a second?
0: Or, like, what I heard was, because I think he was so flustered by his inability to determine your gender... I think what he was trying to say was oh i see you have a cane and are therefore disabled please come to the line yeah but he was so flustered by his inability to determine your gender that what came out of his mouth was oh, yeah. do you need a cane oh you already have one because he was trying to acknowledge your cane and then he was like uh uh, uh and like let us to the front <laughs> so
1: funny it was very queer It made me feel very good because i'll go through a lot of the, the my life a lot of the, my life
0: mm-hmm.
1: um uh, getting getting gendered in very different ways by different people, but most of the time when people think I'm a gender, they'll land on that gender and really, really g- get gung ho about it. Yeah, really stick dig to on their in. guns and really dig in. And then if I say anything that's antithetical to that, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. But um, this this guy, he's one of the first in a while who was like uh, really waffling at the, yeah, sir, <laughs> at the uptake sir, there. Sir, 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 Messer. Messer.
0: Monsieur <laughs>
1: Perhaps he was just being incredibly polite.
0: Yeah, maybe he <laughs> and was, was from just, Quebec. <laughs> he's yeah, maybe he's from Quebec. Um yeah, it was really funny. I already forgot about that. What's
1: the gayest thing you've done this week?
0: Uh probably that story I just told. But also when we um rode our bikes to another beach to uh be in like sweatshirts and throw rocks at the sea. Oh,
1: yeah, that was very good. That was
0: also the most pop-punk thing. Oh, also when we smoked terrible weed at the beach last night. Yeah, Basically doing, being very being pop-punk here. on the beach.
1: I also have been reading uh, Boots of Leather, Slippers of Gold, which I've been meaning to read for, like, years. It's an incredible book about, um, like, sapphic history in Buffalo throughout the 1940s, 50s, mm-hmm. and Buffalo, 60s. New York. Buffalo, New York, yeah. Um, and a quick update that I wanted to provide was the fact that I... I have more information about why, like, aviatrix and why a lot of working class professions like mechanic and stuff are associated with, like, lesbians and butches. Oh, cool. um, Part of the reason why that is is because butch and femme culture, which is what these queer women referred to themselves as butches or femmes back in the 1940s and 50s, which would be like what we mean by lesbian today, were pretty much primarily working class women because mm-hmm. most of the upper class women did not identify as a butcher femme and did mm-hmm. not want to visibly be seen as uh, queer. Mm-hmm. So these, these women with these, um, and femmes would tr- work like, you know, um, jobs that women were allowed to do at that time. However, like, uh, with for
0: instance, working a at the doll counter in the uh, department
1: store. Yes, exactly like that, Hannah. Um however, uh like you butchers would get to work um like factory jobs, like industry jobs, like as a mechanic or as like uh some an airplane mechanic or an aviatrix if you uh-huh. will. Um and would would dress in like more masculine clothes and men's clothes because they felt more comfortable that way. Um, and this is just a side note. Some of those women were referred to as passing women because they would pass as men and have like male identification in like their daily life, but they did not identify as men. Mm-hmm. But like they were, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating relationship to gender that a lot of these folks had. Um, however, like why we see like mechanic, like motorcyclist, like working class professions as butch is because there have been many different types of
0: barista
1: sapphic people uh writer
0: for a square barrel company (laughs)
1: Uh, why we see why we see uh these these like like typecasts yeah Yeah. because those were some of the first people who were queer and were visibly out about it. it it's called um It's called pre-political, which is not to say that none of these people were political in their actions or beliefs or, like, radical in their actions or beliefs. It's just that it it does not have the same... uh, identity politics basis yeah, totally. that, uh, like, like, lesbianism in the 1970s did.
0: Yeah, sure. Like, they weren't politicized. Yeah. Um, that's where the ring of keys comes from, isn't it? Like, that lesbians would work a lot of working class jobs where you needed... Yeah, like, a... not
1: the song, but the actual... Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah hmm Because yeah. a lot of the butch signifiers that we have today, like, Doc Martens, like, boots, uh, like, mm-hmm. like, jeans, um, baggier clothing, uh, Jorts. like, starched, uh, starched, uh, long sleeve shirts, like, fancy shirts, button-up shirts... Um,
0: baseball cap
1: yeah, well yes baseball caps all of those things are from like this development of this butch culture mm-hmm. and I just think that that's so beautiful mm-hmm. um, I've been crying a lot reading this book it's just so. <laughs> you've beautiful. been crying a lot I've just been crying in general, a lot, just in general. yeah um, I'm a very sad boy
0: yeah you are uh, anyway that was just my my yeah, other thing so week. let's
1: start uh, what have you been playing this week, Hannah?
0: um I've been playing so I brought my switch on the trip just to like feel like a real gamer um i just downloaded okami hd and i started that a little bit on the plane it's good it's by capcom i think some of the same people because i beat bayonetta before i yeah. came here also i've actually been gaming a lot i've been gaming a lot this week oh my god um bayonetta which is buck wild and also um the end credits feature two different scenes of bayonetta doing a sexy dance for no reason at all other than it's bayonetta She's not. um and so i want to talk at some point at more at length about like bayonetta and the male gaze and its relationship to like femininity and power and mm. violence and so forth but okami is similar in that there's like there's this like wood sprite that visits you and there's just like gratuitous shots of she has this shirt with like a boob diamond like a power girl style boob diamond um and uh, her butt is also cut out of her kimono oh that doesn't make any sense yeah uh and so there's a lot of like shots of her butt and boobs and like you have this like bug who travels with you who's like the classic horny character who talks about it's yeah um, but it is a very beautiful game I've only played a little bit of it on the airplane um, but then I also just fin- played Unplayed. start to finish uh, the banner saga I'd never finished it before and in beating it this time I realized that I had gotten to the final battle but the decisions that I had made or the party that I put together or something uh, meant that I couldn't I just couldn't beat the final battle. Also, I'm much better at video games now than I was then and yes. I was playing that in a period of my life when I was in a very abusive relationship and very dissociated. Um, and so, anyway, I just start to finish played uh, The Banner Saga, which is a very good game. I'm going to buy this, buy and play the sequels probably when I get home uh, or when we get to Vancouver. Um... I'll buy them for the plane back, but it's just a really, like, I got sucked into it the same way that I get sucked into, like, reading a really good book, because mm-hmm. it's really fun. I love turn-based combat. It's really oh, fun yeah. turn-based combat, but it's also just a story Strategy. that is cool and I'm invested in, and it's all, like, sort of alternative Norse mythology. Like, it's... It's uh, It's a beautiful story, I It's think. a really beautiful story, and the animation is really beautiful, yeah. and the characters are cool. Um, and the music is really beautiful. It's composed by this video game composer, Austin Wintry, who's getting a lot of recognition. I've heard. Uh, he, he grew up on my cul-de-sac. Are you serious? Yeah, he's from my- You never told me that. Yeah, he's from not only my neighbor, he's like, he was like a neighbor of mine growing up. I didn't know him because I didn't know any of my neighbors. Um, but I first, like, heard of him. He composed the soundtrack to, uh, he composed Journey, he composed The Banner Saga, he's composed a few different, uh, big-name games. Um, now but yeah he like grew up a couple doors down from me so it was really good we'll for of... him yeah i know he's kind of a jerk oh. but i saw uh i saw his uh name in the end credits and i was like oh yeah <laughs> it's that kid um it's just funny the world is funny that way anyway the banner stack is very good uh the third one just came out so i'm gonna buy and play the second one and then the third one and i'll keep you posted
1: please do it's
0: a very good game they have it on the switch now which made uh me like, it's for me, it's a perfect game for the Switch because it doesn't super need to be on like a big console um, or like a big screen or whatever. Oh yeah, it's
1: like playing a Final Fantasy on like a Game Boy or something. Sure,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, it was just really fun. It's been really fun to like play on the trip. So.
1: Yeah, the uh, Switch is a good console for uh, vacations, mm-hmm. which are it's two great. very privileged things to say.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But
1: it is good for travel.
0: Uh, it is good for travel, yeah. If you can afford a Switch and you can afford to travel, those things go well together. Yes. Um, Kai, what are you playing right now?
1: I uh, did not bring any consoles with me. However, before we left, I was basically just binging We Happy Few mm-hmm. because it's got a lot of um, elements that I really like in a video game. Something that I've been waiting excitedly to share with you all is... Um, The fact that uh, the map for We Happy Few... I actually had read a lot about it, but I did not realize this going in because maybe I had just forgotten, is developed uh, individually each time for every player. Yeah, it's procedurally generated. So it's procedurally generated, and it's a different map every time, and there are different encounters that you experience every time. So there's extreme replayability value Mm -hmm. because you're going to have a different map, different encounters, maybe, and like there's no guarantee that you'll even get all of the encounters that the game has to offer. So it's like... I, can, I could replay that game again and um, probably have a totally different mm-hmm. experience than I did the first time and meet different people and have different quests.
0: It's like a, it's like a Punch Drunk production in that It's way, like I a Punch Drunk like. production. I feel like of it's very, uh, yeah, it's very drowned man y. Yeah, it in feels that way. like it.
1: And I very much love um, crafting. Mm-hmm. I love crafting I, a lot. I know you uh, know. And I love collecting items and picking things up and like oh, finding out things. Um, and uh, we have a few really, 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 like, rewards you for doing that. And I really like that in a game. I find the open word world elements to be not what I expected out of this game, like mm-hmm. we were talking about last time, but very um, exciting and desirable with what the game has turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely was not what I thought it would be, but it's very good. The thing about, um, the thing about playing it, though, is that the game tells you, like, interact with NPCs, it'll be rewarding, or, like, it'll make you seem less suspicious. And yes, it'll make you seem less suspicious, but I'll tell you right now, there's, like, maybe the three... I'm sorry, there's maybe, like, the same 15 sprites just over and over again, and you see them and you're like, Oh, it's the old lady with the mask, or, oh, like, it's, it's the person with the ripped up dress. Um and that's and and these are just like very similar people and that's just not very exciting. And I'm not going to talk too much about We Happy Few because it's going to be a part of our topic this week.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, that'll kind of segue us into our topic. I got to put this down for a sec cuz I got to put my jacket on.
1: Hannah. Yeah!
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a
1: spider like right there.
0: Where? Okay. <sighs> I didn't even see the thing, you just said Hannah with that really scary tone and pointed in a way that really fucking scared me.
1: (laughs) You know, I I have a very specific cadence that I use when there's a spider near Hannah and I'll tell Hannah. Hannah.
0: Yeah. Oh, there's a spider on your glasses, my dude. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Just a little one. That was not a big spider, would not have been particularly scared of that spider. But uh, the, your tone made it sound like it was going to be a much bigger spider than it was. Yeah. Here's the thing, folks. Um, I am very afraid of bugs.
1: Ooh, that's too close. Tell me more. Close. What are you doing? <laughs> stop it!
0: Uh, Excuse me, miss. Stop
1: <laughs> um, How do you feel about bugs?
0: Not great. I mean, conceptually great, but in practice, they've got too many legs. They're too spooky, and they got too many legs. I would
1: love some more legs.
0: Well good for you
1: thank you
0: um what are we talking about this week kai
1: i was gonna ask you that question um
0: guess what we're talking about okay not a spider (laughs) i can't believe the noise that escaped me (laughs) just at the possibility of there being a large spider it's, you can be, you could tone it down a little bit. You could have just said, "Hey, there's a tiny spider near you." I know you. that I
1: need to work better, but it was that cadence much sounded like Hannah. <laughs> there's a huge fucking. There's scary, a brown recluse, and you're gonna die. There's a giant fucking scary seconds. ass
0: bug right behind you. you. Like I thought it was gonna be some giant ass centipede or something. Yeah, so no, it wasn't. Heart skipped into terror mode. <laughs> it was a spider that was maybe like. A quarter of an inch tall.
1: I know, but I, I never know how you're going to react, and I always want to make sure that you know that there's a spider by that exact same cadence. I just feel like your,
0: your tone could be, um, what's the word I'm looking for, proportional <laughs> to the scariness of the bug?
1: Perhaps. Like,
0: hey, tiny spider, and ho, Hannah is like <laughs> big-ass centipede. Anyway, speaking of scary shit, um, this week we're talking about, uh, uh, wow. <laughs>
1: I wish you wouldn't.
0: <laughs> angels, not Canadian angels are losing. <laughs> um, uh, Aaron's not here. We left him in America. And sorry, Aaron. Sorry, Aaron. Um, fuck. We're talking about dystopias, dystopian fiction, and how it deals or doesn't deal with queerness and deviant action and so forth. And we're using We Happy Few. Well, mostly Kai is using We Happy Few because I haven't played it, but I've watched Kai play a little bit. But uh, there's a
1: lot of dystopian video games that we can.
0: Oh, totally, yeah, but uh, topically, because we're trying to do this thing where we talk about, like, new topical video games and also not just, just the same games. six Bioware games over and over again. Yes. Um, uh, and We Happy
1: Few just came out last week, and I've been playing a lot of it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, anyway. So it's been on my
1: mind a lot lately. I, okay, um, talk
0: about We Happy Few.
1: We Happy Few or Dystopia? Which would you prefer?
0: It's Just start saying what you were going to say.
1: Okay. I was going to talk a little bit about one of the one of the last papers that I ever wrote in college was um, an exploration of uh, fascist government through uh, fascist government and its relation to queer people through dystopian novels like Nineteen Eighty Four and Brave New World and mm-hmm. like We by Zamyatin and stuff like that, um, and I I really dove into the fact that uh, Nazi Germany specifically. Had this fascinating capacity to both to to both ha- like persecute queer people like endlessly like the fucking pink triangles like yeah, yeah. on on people yeah that and like one of the
0: groups ooh sorry one of the groups specifically targeted by uh, Nazis was
1: was queer people queer people yeah and that's a very like relatively widely acknowledged fact that we know like it's referenced in cabaret and stuff yep. um which is a popular musical about uh fascism yeah. but anyway and
0: um, alan cummings and alan cummings
1: but a beautiful but it is beautiful i love alan butt. cummings so much um
0: he's a treasure
1: truly however it nazis also a lot of this focus on like masculinity in male b- bodies basically um is-is heavily associated with, like, Nazism and, uh, fascism. Like, masculinity is highly prized and focused upon. Um, and things that are, like, emasculating are seen as negative or non-masculine are seen as negative. Right, like the whole,
0: the Proud Boys and their-
1: Yeah, uh, and their hatred of women. Their
0: their hatred of women Um, and their entitlement to women's bodies. And, you know, shooting up schools because women won't have sex with
1: them. That's also, uh, incels. Yes. Um, involuntarily celibate people.
0: Uh, also known as huge pieces of also shit. Also
1: known as huge pieces of shit. However, there's... So, Nazis also were fucking each other. Like, these these men were having sex with each so other. Like, and Nazis were, of
0: the same gender were fucking each
1: other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These Nazis of the same gender were fucking each other. Specifically men, though. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there were this group of um, upper-class lesbians who did identify as Nazis and fascists uh-huh. um, back in, like, the 1930s, and that was also very fascinating to me. But Nazis would allow people, as long as they were, um, you know, subtle about it and didn't act too uh, effeminate, basically, they, they it would be fine for you to fuck other men and still be a Nazi. Yeah, so like th- if
0: you did everything else there's, correctly.
1: So the fact that there are a lot of ties even nowadays to um like milo yiannopoulos even for example there's a lot of there's still a lot of relationship between queerness and fascism and uh like toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. and being queer does not automatically free you from the binds that our socialization of toxic masculinity provides i'm not done uh and also it it does not prevent you from becoming a fascist
0: right well what I was gonna say is I would argue that like that to me is one of the differences between queerness and gayness um that it is it is like and this might just be my relationship to it but like queer to me is as much a like non-normative political identity as anything like I don't know that you can be queer and a fascist like i think you can be gay and be a fascist sure. That's something I, mean, I want to talk about is like assimilationist did so the difference in my eyes between like assimilationist gayness and Queerness.
1: I guess I'm also using the word queer. So in my brain, I have two different meanings of the word queer because I work in queer theory in academia as well as identify as a queer person in my life. Hannah's making a pig nose at me. Um, no, it's a snoot nose. A snoot nose. Mm, um, i
0: you. i
1: Well, listen, no, you, pre- you appreciate it a I lot. Know. So that's, that's why you're here. leave me alone. Yeah, um, no,
0: I'm just giving you. So giving so
1: I I actually. I, I I know that this is not necessarily something that, that I want to continue doing. However, I have two different working definitions of the term queer that exist in my head. Queer in the academic sense is the way that it's used in a lot of these um, papers I read and experiences that I have in academia, which is basically just anything antithetical to uh, hegemony, like mm-hmm. hegemonic uh, experiences and thought. So it would be, in that sense of the term queer queer to do anything deviant. Mm -hmm. uh, Including like being into BDSM or like being a furry or using a strap on during sex between two people (laughs) of As the L
0: word says, that is the most (laughs) radical sexual act. Yes.
1: Between people of like two different genders who identify as straight. Ah. Like that is and who are like cis also. That is considered queer in this term. But also that includes activities like Actual queerness. And I use the term actual queerness because in my life I view the term queer as uh, radical uh, political reclamation of a word that has been previously used by us to define us um, back in the 1950s, uh, but is also used, has been used like against us repeatedly. I think totally. that it's a very um, important word to reclaim because it used to be ours right um and then they took it away from us and now we're taking it back however Mm -hmm. in my world there are two radically different definitions of queer that have a lot of overlap however i feel like a lot of the time in queer academia we can piss a lot of people off by using that word in a way that people don't identify with sure um so anyway, when when I say like queer activity, I mean actual homosexual sex, but I also mean like stuff that was antithetical to the accepted norms of Nazism.
0: Hmm. Okay. Because I thought, well, I want to hear your thoughts on it more. Because from what you were saying yesterday when we were talking about this, it made it sound like basically if you were having homosexual sex, but in every other way you conformed to.
1: Oh yeah. Like I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm saying like you could maybe have like three deviances a person basically like yeah you had to conform in a lot of ways but you as, as long as you were not effeminate and not like being too like faggy yeah. to to be a nazi you were allowed to be a nazi if you were having <laughs> homosexual sex and like nobody conforms perfectly to the norm in any way right. whatsoever i don't think um so the fact that like these people carried on secret secret lives and like had secret interests and all that does does that make sense
0: yeah totally yeah um and this isn't like an argument point it's just yeah for me again there is a difference between like we were talking about like the that like rash of like quote-unquote straight men who are all having sex with each other and to me that is gay but it's not queer like
1: Well, it's a homosexual act, but those men still identify as straight and are reinforcing and perpetuating heterosexual culture because they are taking, uh, because they are engaging in homosexual relations, but are not identifying as gay or queer. And therefore, it's damaging to queer people because if you're able to engage in homosexual activity and arguably like be interested in homosexuality and not and and because we live in a world that is based on that has that is that is predicated on straightness and queerness as to like um oh what is that what is that word um Opposing? No, 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 not opposing. It's unstable, unstable terms that rely on each other's existence to exist. People who are are straight identifying but are having homosexual sex are reinforcing and rebuilding that straight identity to encompass more than what I think it should. I think that those two terms should, because of their instability, they are incapable of being long lasting. Sure. Um It's only within the latter half of the nineteenth century that homosexual identity, like identity predicated on queer activity, became a thing. The Latter half of the twentieth century. Nineteenth, no, like eighteen like hundreds. Oh, really? Yeah, like okay. um, it, that that was where it started because sure. you were starting to be seen as like.
0: Well, that's when the whole like when Oscar, Oscar Wilde, exactly, trial and Oscar before.
1: Wilde's trial was one of the um. Beginning, like
0: in the Western world, yeah. in the Western
1: world, beginning what I, I things. I heard for... somewhere
0: uh, that, uh, and I've always thought this to be true that basically in England they invented the crime of homosexuality to persecute Oscar Wilde. Like, they had him basically. This Duke was really pissed off, or whatever, some noble was really pissed off that Oscar Wilde was fucking his son and didn't like wanted to arrest him, but did, he wasn't actually doing anything illegal. Um, People just hated him a lot because he was this, like, subversive social critic and this big homo. And so they, like, invented this crime, basically, in order to... They decided that homosexuality was was illegal in order to have something to persecute No, I
1: actually don't know if that's the case. I do know that sodomy has always been illegal. Um, It's no longer illegal in the U.S., but it was illegal in the U.S. until 2003. However, sodomy included homosexual acts. Right. But it was not differentiated between if you were doing sodomy, which was basically extramarital sex or sex in, like, any way other than, like, penis and vagina sex. Yeah. Um, but it was not differentiated if you were doing that with a man or with a woman. Right. Or with anybody else, for that matter. Right. Um, but any, anyway, all, all I'm—I think I'm— Wow, I, I, we really got a little bit off off topic No, I, discussion think, this is wise. Good, though, I think it's on topic Cuz we're
0: talking about like the semantics of what we mean when we say queer in this yeah. context.
1: So so anyway, in,
0: in Nazi Germany.
1: In 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 I was going to I was going to talk a little bit more about the purpose of dystopian stories. Mm-hmm. Um, what I understand the purpose of like dystopian science fiction or dystopian literature to be is to cast like a dramatized mirror on our society Mm -hmm, um dramatized or not to reveal to us the the uh, things that like lead to fascism or the things that are damaging us in our community or Mm -hmm. it's basically just like a a warning a warning sign it's
0: it's a it's a to me it's a form of horror like it's yeah it's Uh, uh, like a doomed, like a specific form of horror that doesn't rely on actual, like, horror in the classic sense. Like, the sort of definitions of horror. Well, there's horror and there's terror in, like, the classic, like, gothic sense. And it doesn't rely on, like, monsters or demons or anything. But it's it's in dystopian fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Well, in dystopian fiction, the villain is usually a governmental entity Mm -hmm. of some kind. It's usually a um, government run amok and or, like, societal ills run amok uh, that lead to this world. Because, like, in Brave New World, it's not necessarily, like, like, I think the villain in Brave New World is mostly, like, the societal ills and, like, societal I hedonism. I think a lot of the
1: evils in those dystopian novels is uh, corruption.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. like Yeah, like, Brave New World specifically, I think it, it ties into We Happy Few because it's, like, hedonism run amok mm-hmm. to me. Like, um, I haven't read Brave New World in a number of years, but uh, from what I remember about it, like, it's not necessarily that you like have to be this way. It's just like a notion of conformity. It's like not necessarily like illegal not to be, but you're seen. Well, as, you'll be socially
1: punished. Yeah, you you'll will be, so- be taken yeah, away.
0: Yeah, uh, if you like don't take your soma or what have you. Whereas we have, if you has, like you legally have to take your joy, and you'll be.
1: Yeah, to, to tie it to a We Happy sense. Few, I think that it's interesting because a lot of these dystopian novels have come out at times of great social upheaval. Mm-hmm. Like you think about um, V for Vendetta coming out in the 80s, mm-hmm. and you think about like uh, Watchmen coming out, mm-hmm. um, and I, I would argue that Watchmen is dystopian.
0: Oh, yeah, um, absolutely, yeah.
1: And you, you see the time period that these things are coming out, and you think about like, Reagan, you think about the Cold War, and you think about the things that people were being confronted with, and like during the Cold War, the ways that we were reinforcing our Americanness, and like uh like how masculinity was being policed at that time. All of those things are like very tied together. But anyway, it's yeah. great periods of like social change and of people. So now, well, like
0: in the early two thousands, there was a lot of like. Techno dystopias, mm-hmm. like that's yeah, like Cory Doctorow. Yeah, and in uh, the late '90s, early 2000s is when The Matrix came out, and so forth. When like the when Y2K was happening, and all this like, t- like t- this technocracy was really the the dystopian. There's like a different dystopian flavor. I feel like mm-hmm. depending
1: on when things come out. So anyway, We Happy Few comes out this year. And it just came out, in fact, last yeah, week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, so. I so mean, this anyway. in the storytelling sense. Yeah, yeah. So, We Happy Few comes out this year, and this year we're seeing um, a lot of rise of American fascism mm-hmm. and neo Nazism. Like also, there's worldwide. a lot of. Yeah, You're I was, yeah, was going to say there's also the next thing out of my mouth, was in fact, going to be there's a lot of uh, like. Oh, what is the term that I'm thinking of? Like anti-immigrant rhetoric in world uh, politics. Yeah, like xenophobia. Xenophobia. I'm thinking of like uh, nationalists. There's a lot of nationalism. Yeah, there's rhetoric, a lot of nationalism, specifically
0: white nationalism. Um, that's
1: causing. Well, yeah, and also just nationalism generally. That's causing people to. Uh, there, there's like terror going on, mm-hmm. and um, I. F- and what's interesting about We Happy Few is that it takes place in a alternative world war Two like storyline mm-hmm. which i was genuinely surprised by without because... yeah
0: without spoiling it can you talk more specifically about uh the storyline like can, can you talk more specifically about the storyline and the setting without spoiling any plot points of the game because it's been out for less than a week
1: There the the beginning parts of the game like the first 10 hours that i'm in you learn that um the germans have done this like horrific thing to the british that um that are the main characters of this game and have basically i i don't fully know the answer to this yet have either taken over their government entirely or have destroyed their government and abandoned them to create their own government and people are being, um, are starving and people are, uh, don't have any homes and, like, houses have been destroyed and people are, you know, fighting in the streets and everything and, um, this, this is obvious from the trailers, there is this new drug that exists called Joy that makes people, uh, You okay? You just were looking behind me.
0: Oh, I, not intentional.
1: That makes people... Um, Spider! No. That makes people, <laughs> uh, like, happy and not worried about anything and forget any pain that they're experiencing or any hunger or any thirst that yeah, they're experiencing. so doesn't
0: it make you actively unable to remember any unpleasant memories? And it memories? makes you
1: unable to remember any unpleasant memories also. Um, like, the more joy you take, the less memory that you have in this game. So, like, people are... And, and it makes... Places look less run down. Like yeah, it, it makes changes, it, like, look, it, it causes hallucinations. Yeah, that was in
0: the, the trailer too, yeah. where like the streets look all rainbow when they're yeah. actually like shitty bombed out London streets.
1: Yeah, and it's it's fascinating to um, witness. So I, I just find it really interesting that not only did We Happy Few come out this year, I feel like dystopian stories come out at a time where they feel that they're needed. hmm Sure. And the fact that it has such heavy ties to nazis and nazi imagery.
0: Mhm. Well, it also just ties to like that whole joy aspect, ties to this like fear that we have of like distraction and um, numbing and like or that we should have. I think of like distraction and numbing and like not knowing the truth of what's going on or not like, remembering the truth, like this this tendency, the danger of like um uh, lionizing this like the like halcyon days of yore and like not remembering like the problems of what happened before or whatever like the like romanticization in the u.s i was about to say this country but we're not in this country of, right the,
1: now. 1950s. of the
0: 1950s and this like, like a simpler era. time and it was a golden era and everyone was happy when in fact everything sucked um it was just uh fed to you differently and now it's like this the, the fear of like you know you take your joy to not remember like whatever that means i don't know i'm not re- but something positive it well.
1: and good then is also something to to remember it's never fully one way or no the exactly other. but, um, but anyway, that's what that's my, what
0: i'm saying like the danger of that numbing of like people i don't know
1: but what i was what i was going to say was um i actually just realized i don't know if it is world war one or world war two mm-hmm. that is the alternative history point Based However, on the
0: aesthetic it looks like World War II. I think it's
1: World War 2, but I have not gotten far enough in the game to know for sure. Cuz it it definitely
0: doesn't look like World War Well, World War 1, just based on the clothes and the technology present. I think it's
1: World War 2 It can't on have been technology. World War 1 unless but they I have it know. way in the future It could be way in the future, but it's not actually. It's way not cuz if, right. if
0: it's supposed to be then like 15 to 18 was sure- World War 1 and those don't look like yeah. 1918 clothes. I think
1: that's true. Um Fuck, where is it going with that? Anyway, like the the presence of like this um constantly watching government and these these wandering uh doctors and these like wandering constables that police your your every move um and the figure of the the dictator like autocrat is that a term that Mm -hmm. I'm looking for um that is constantly present, like, who has a television show mm-hmm. where they teach you the ways to be in the society through, like, this television show mm-hmm. is absolutely fascinating and engaging because I feel right now in in the U.S. This game mm-hmm. was made mm-hmm. in uh, Canada, by the way, is okay, part of good. the reason why we're okay. talking about it. This game was helped. I thought there was a bug. I, right. I believe you. This game was... Uh, a able to be produced because of the canadian media fund mm-hmm. um which is really cool that it's like this more private independently yeah, developed it was game. Uh,
0: it's a very small company it's the first mm-hmm. game from compulsion games yes. and it's the canadian media fund and kickstarter were and how gearbox they... helped out yeah and it's published but they got picked yeah. up for distribution by gearbox but the game was funded to be made by the canadian media media fund and kickstarter primarily yeah. so
1: that's part of the reason why we're talking about it while we're in canada because it's uh canadian developed and Anyway, there's problems right now, like in in uh, the US and Canada with um with media and the way that it's mm-hmm. being consumed and the narratives that are being reinforced well, and also by the, like, the media. The
0: obviously the power being given to unqualified celebrity and also the like as in living colors said the cult of personality mm-hmm. um and that the president of the united states at the moment is literally a television celebrity who worked his way into an autocratic position which
1: is insane to think about every time i think about it yeah um, when you
0: say it out loud every time it's insane yeah but uh yeah the like propaganda machine that has been used by many dictators and is being used like it's like a rewarning of of being it being used by you know the whole make america make america great again thing being this like propaganda machine and it, it ties into that like lionizing of the past it's like the notion that america was once great and through the leadership of this celebrity personality it will once again again become great but a lot of those things are like Feeding, you know, feeding people what they want to hear, which is basically what the joy mm. is, without any actual solutions and without any actual addressing of what's going on in the past, and like this, like autocratic, fascist control. Yeah, it's just
1: trying to erase the uh, in, in the beginning, the very beginning of the game, like the first minute of the game you are playing a person who is in charge of, like, records keeping, very similar to um, Brave New World, mm-hmm. actually. I, or actually very similar to 1984. Oops, mm-hmm. um, that's Winston. Yeah. Um, There's
0: a lot, of, a lot of those books that came out around yeah, that time. Yeah, it's recently. 1984
1: that I'm thinking of. Um, and you, you, the player, have to choose which news stories from the past to censor and which ones to allow through um because you're basically I think you're republishing papers from the past like right. now to make it um, look like
0: this bad shit never happened yeah,
1: yeah yeah so you're you're like going through and seeing what is allowed and what isn't and I played through a couple of these and the first thing you see is like you and your brother get an award for like um like scrapping like finding scraps and like getting stuff um and there's stuff about like the military and people who have been discharged and like people who had like good victories and like people who had jobs and you need to figure out what to what to censor and what not to censor and I feel like that immediate focus into um, censorship mm-hmm. really draws you into the history of the world and helps you understand it because part of the requirements of the job like your um, one of your superiors comes in and request and asks you like if you're off your joy Mm-hmm. um because in order to do this job you are expected to take this joy so you won't remember these events and you'll just view them as though like oh this this has to be said or yeah, this, this can't be said yeah this
0: is negative so it can't be said You're, yeah yeah there's this yeah. notion of the downer like the person yes. it's like people who like privileged people i think now who like try to tell you to stop being so political or, or like sto- stop
1: being so sad or yeah like stop being so
0: ne- so negative about it um it's like, I mean, there's the, in all sorts of media, like one of the favorite uh, tactics of an autocratic government is to prevent people from talking about the shit that's going on. Like even uh, in fucking Avatar, there is no war in Ba Sing Se, yeah. uh, where the government, well, uh, um, Lao Feng and uh, the um, Da Li agents, like their whole job, they're the like cultural agents of, that's like a, here's some Avatar knowledge, oh. uh, as a dystopian Bit in there, like Bossing is this really autocratic like society. It's like milita- tuli- uh, militaristically repressive society, uh, where you know the daily agents are the cultural agents of this city, which is this very dystopian term. Because from that, it sounds like oh, they should be you know installing public art, but what they do is brainwash people who tried to speak out about the war and make sure that nobody inside the city knows about the war outside the city, so that control can be maintained over mm-hmm. the city basically, and it's a similar thing. I just wanted a minute to talk about Avatar. No, that's important. For
1: once. So, for once. So anyway, I think that it's very pertinent that We Happy Few has come out now when, in comparison to like previous dystopian novels and stories uh, and games. What year did Bioshock come out?
0: Uh, 2000... I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna guess. 2006. Okay. Seven two thousand nine, two thousand nine, two
1: thousand
0: seven, or two thousand nine. One of those two years. Okay. Two thousand between two thousand seven and two thousand nine.
1: Two thousand seven. Ha! So, it's important to keep in mind when BioShock came out. Um, that was when uh, oh gosh, President Obama was being elected, right?
0: That was be- be- That was during that election. That yeah. was Obama versus McCain.
1: The first one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So, during periods of social upheaval, this is just constantly reinforced to me, there are dystopian stories that desire to, like, warn us about possible Uh outcomes of our actions. And I think that it's incredibly interesting that We Happy Few has come out uh, before, like, the November elections in 2018. Which uh, mm-hmm. are some very important, like local.
0: Yeah, the midterm elections. If you're a United Citi- United citizen, if you're a United States citizen, and you're over the age of 18, go vote. Go register. Go vote. You have no excuse not to. And uh, they're trying, like especially the right, is trying its damnedest to exercise voter suppression and to not get people to the polls. Um, the midterm elections are extremely important. Please go vote. We're going to yeah. remind you pretty much every week now until. The elections.
1: So, so anyway, I, I think that this is just another period of, um, not just another period. This is another period of social change. And that's part of the reason why We Happy Few is, in my mind, very effectively storytelling. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, very effectively storytelling. Very
1: effectively telling this story of, uh, just yet another warning. Mm-hmm. You know? And I feel like we get them yeah. all the time. Well, I
0: feel like dystopian fiction, like, has always been around, but has been around pretty much constantly, like, in the sense that we're talking about, pretty much constantly, like, since World War II. Yep. Yeah. Um, and when the world really shifted after the World Wars into this more globalized world and into, like, World War One, World War Two happened, and we saw, like, the world saw um, the danger of what,
1: like, Oh, yeah. I mean, what's interesting could be. is the first or what we, what we understand to be the first modern dystopian novel was written in, like, 1920-ish by Zamyatin when it was in Russia, mm-hmm. like, during that time that he mm-hmm. was writing that. Oh, um, well, yeah,
0: post-World War One.
1: Yeah. So, uh, basically, to start wrapping things up, I think that We Happy Few is a very well-thought-out game. I think that it can get repetitive and kind of grindy at times, mm. but I think that... The topics that it brings up and the storytelling methods that it uses are incredibly fascinating. And there, there are some complaints that I have that I would like to flesh out more, perhaps in a later episode, as well, I keep playing it. No, we don't. We're only, uh, at, we've,
0: vi- we're only at 55 minutes. Oh,
1: that's, that's wrapping up time. Yes, we got, we got time. I would like to wrap it up. Um, okay,
0: okay. Well, we didn't really talk at all about how, like, we have a few deals with queerness. Well, I'm
1: about to. Okay, okay. Um, is there are two so far in the first like ten hours, queer characters that are uh, named and explicitly not even explicitly that are implied to be queer, not just by like by by like uh, context clues. So there's this um, there's this woman who gives you this quest to find uh, lilies because she and her like quote unquote friend... Um, before the war, had a lily garden that they grew together, and um, it's heavily implied by the friend's profession as a mechanic and her butchiness, as well as the way that Violet, like this, I forget if her friend or her name is Violet, the way that this woman is just mourning and sobbing wildly at the loss of her friend. She's an older woman, I think her friend died of old age, um, but she is not supposed to remember the love that she and her, like, friend had, uh, and her friend is dead and the other the other story is you find this man in this bathtub in this public park who has written a um and he's he's dead and he's written a letter of apology uh to his wife and to whoever finds him for um the shock of him being with like a lover named roger or something um And it's notable to me that both of these queer stories are reliant on death Mm -hmm. in some propensity. And the fact that like, and it really made me feel as though in this dystopian reality that queerness was uh, not allowed. Because so regularly in uh, dystopian novels, there is the policing of sex and sexuality in some propensity. like the regulation of it because sex and sexuality are tied to like love which is tied to human emotion and emotion is tied to rebellion mm-hmm. uh well there's also yeah like sex and sexuality are things that are regularly viewed as being need to be reined in in order to control a populace what were mm-hmm. you gonna
0: say um i was also gonna say like the notion that like the repress like queerness is often disallowed in like these dystopian worlds partially because they're often written by straight white men and so uh, it's just often glossed over or forgotten or, like, it does the thing that the straights do where they think um, killing a partner uh, is dramatic tension. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, you know, there's only the tragic queer narratives and what have you, but also that, like, the repression of queerness is to, and this is happening now, like, queer people are being excluded from LGBT, et cetera. People are being actively excluded from the 2020 census in the U.S., mm-hmm. so just yeah. trying to literally erase us from the narrative of the country's present um well not only that
1: but like trans people are being attempted to be separated from the greater lgb community Mm -hmm. um totally because of the fact that they have correctly spotted that we are vulnerable right now and there's quite a few Mm -hmm. people who are like gay lesbian bisexual who do not accept trans people. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying trying to distance the T from the LGB.
0: Right. And, yeah, if they can exclude us from the census, because the census is is used to draw electoral districts, Mm -hmm. then they can more easily gerrymander into conservative majority districts. Um, And so there's all that. And repressing queerness in a society is part of repressing the other. And queerness is seen as a thing that is obviously threatening to the hegemonic narrative, as it should be.
1: Well, because it overturns uh, gender roles. Like totally, yeah. Generals. And Monique Wittig writes about this in her 1986 essay, I believe it was 1986, um, about lesbianism, not about a person, a woman who is a lesbian not actually being a woman because mm-hmm. she's not doing what is expected by society right. for a woman to do. Um, and that's... Yeah, it's. I think a, a f-
0: fascist societies punish deviance,
1: especially gender deviance.
0: Yeah, and and sexual deviance in general, like bodily bo- bodily autonomy and like body liberation mm-hmm. and sexual liberation are a huge part of the repression of society. Which is interesting, because like in 1984, it is this kind of like body sexual society, but primarily in a heterosexual context.
1: I think you're thinking of um, Brave New World.
0: Oh yeah, I didn't. I meant to say Brave New World. Yeah. Sorry,
1: not nineteen eighty. Certainly yeah. not nineteen eighty four. nineteen eighty four is heavily police. Yeah, we no, Brave New no World Mary, is this like hyper
0: hedonistic sex. society. It's it's like almost more. It's like We Happy Few, but more because it's this hyper hedonistic society and using that hedonism to like disallow truth. It like goes way too far in the other direction. Well, what's interesting almost. in We Happy
1: Few is that there's an entire quest where you are in a. Um,
0: oh yeah, you go to a sex club.
1: A sex club yeah, that is so that... only open at night and that is not talked about and is seen as negative um and it's like hidden or whatever yeah and you have to break in and you have to be wearing a specific costume to get in um but there yeah. it, but it's for people who have more like money yeah and sure. more ability yeah, to like, do those things
0: yeah and it's 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 society punishes deviance sort of it's kind of like that you conform if you conform to the other nazi things you're allowed to do you know the, uh, homosexual sex, it's, like, it punishes deviance unless you're in the upper classes, and then as long as you don't talk about it, you can kind of do whatever you want. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, all these right-wing senators being caught for having, like, sex with, like, young men. Yeah. And all these things. It's, it's, you can, it's like code switching and it's outward conformity, which I want to talk about. I think next week we should continue this topic and talk a little bit more about um,
1: no, We have I agree. Happy
0: Few and code switching. And because you presumably. You do code
1: switch in that game.
0: Yeah, you presumably will have played a little bit more We Happy Few. Yes. Um, by next week, because we'll be back. Um, and talking about that and uh, just continuing to talk about, like, I have a lot more thoughts about other examples of, like, society punishing deviance. And, like, how usually the protagonist in a dystopian novel would be the one, like, seeking the truth and the Mm -hmm. one trying to break away from this. And oftentimes the one who finds the truth and how that can be read as sort of a metaphor or a roadmap for, like, queer deviance as an antidote to uh, an autocratic society.
1: So, anyway, this has been If It's Gay, We Play.
0: Yeah, we're in the woods. This has been If It's Gay, We Play's international...
1: Debut.
0: Debut, forest edition... Um, you can
1: find us. We're and, uh, being gay
0: in the woods, and you should, too, if you can. Um, you can find us on social media at on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at GayGamers, G-A-Y-G-A-M-E-R-Z, because mm-hmm. we're hip.
1: Very um, hip. You Very
0: can, yeah. You can email us at ifitsgayweplay at gmail.com. And um, you can stream us anywhere you can find your podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Google Play uh, Cast... Cast
1: form.
0: Which is also a Pokemon. Um, you can find us anywhere you find podcasts at this point. Uh, whatever your pod catcher of choice is, you can also stream us on the website uh, at slash if it's gay play and check out the other shows on the network.
1: Grandma's House uh, and this, yeah.
0: this is Grandma's House and Cycloidia, all shows about what makes people the way that they are, which is what we're all trying to figure out so we can build more empathy and understanding. Um, Next week, we will be back. We'll talk some more about dystopias, and we will be back in uh, Colorado. And we're going to continue our hike now Mm -hmm. after I pee in the woods.
1: Yes. All right. Well. Keep being gay. Keep. Fuck.
0: Fuck. (laughs) Hi. God damn it. Keep playing gay. Keep being games. Fuck shit up. Hey, fuck shit up. Goodbye.
1: Bye.